Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Revenue Revolutionaries. Great to be with you again today. This time, we're gonna we're gonna flip flip the script a little bit. We're kicking off our new Big Thinker series, where we talk to thought leaders in in the space and in the industry about new new ideas. You know, thinking about where where customer management, where customer experience is going, and have a fantastic uh, discussion uh, prepped for you today. And, and excited to welcome Matt Sweezy to the to the show, Director of Market Strategy at Salesforce. Matt, great to be with you. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on, man. It's good to be here. So we've um, we've been able to reconnect here recently, and we've we've collaborated on a new ebook that uh, I'm so excited to to break down with you today. And uh, I know you've been doing a lot of research with with your team around this relationship between customer experience and and the the ultimate goals of the customer. So I'd love to start with that. And then we're going to tear down this, this ebook that we put together. But um, what are you seeing in the market? What What's the, yeah. the latest? Yeah, so I really would kind of, so I'm going to take two steps back. June of last year, a colleague of mine, Karen Manji and me, um, decided to do some research and really ask the question, how has COVID changed consumer experience? Like what are organizations having to do? Um, how has it changed? What's going to stick? What's moving forward? And that really just started us opening up just a lot of conversations with uh, chief executive officers, chief experience officers, chief customer officers. And one of the big findings from that research was this big trend in this shift towards outcomes and really COVID really accelerated that. So, you know, a lot of companies had already been moving in this direction um, by, you know, focusing on time to value rather than NPS. But really what we're seeing now is this is opening up a radically new world for a lot of companies. And this is going to be what I believe is a significant competitive differentiation because I think we all got something very wrong we all bought into experience and experience is correct. And I mean, I'll be the first to say, you know, if you read our state of marketing research from Salesforce, we ask consumers, how do you feel about experience? And our data shows 84% of consumers say the experience is just as important as the product or service. But there's a caveat. If the experience doesn't lead to their desired outcome, it doesn't matter how good of an experience it is. And so this really then changes the architecture of how we think about experience. And it's not that we have to produce the best experience. It's that we have to produce the best outcome and use the experience to make sure that we achieve the outcome in the most efficient manner possible. So they work together. So if you don't have the outcome, then it doesn't matter what the experience is. And if you don't have a good experience, then probably someone's not going to stay around to see right. if there's a good outcome. Right, um, right. So they work together. Uh, that's tremendous. And it's, uh, it's such a fascinating evolution of the the mindset you know and and to all your points it's for me getting back to why we're here in the first place in these buyer supplier relationships why why are we working with these companies well we've got to make them successful and then it gets into you know how do we really do that and the experience is critical uh but it's not everything so we had a a fun opportunity to collaborate here. We've just put out a, a new ebook this week entitled The New North Star. And this is this perspective that experience is the method, but outcomes are the goal. And what I'm excited to do here is just kind of break down the, the collaboration, break down the ebook and, and uh, share our, our perspective with, with the audience. So uh, Matt, we start with this idea that 
um, we've got to go from uh, empty promises to engineering the outcomes. And I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, what's your, your perspective on, on this? Yeah, so the perspective is pretty simple. Um, for a long time, we as marketers have been creating promises. We just tell the marketplace, we create case studies of the best customer we can find with the best story that we can find. Mm -hmm. And we lead to this conclusion that if you buy this, you will receive the same thing. This is no, this is not new. It's no different than Nike hiring Michael Jordan to sell shoes, right? You know, you can jump higher, run faster. You know, that's the, the basic notion. What we have to realize is that yes, that is a possibility, but if we are able to operationalize and make sure that we can ensure that somebody then receives those outcomes that we are promising, it's a very different ball game um, because now we have a very different thing that we're selling. We're not selling an empty promise. It is the actual delivery of the outcome that you want. And then this opens up an entirely new world of go-to-market strategies. This opens up the concept of outcome-based pricing, outcome-based selling, outcome-based service, right? These are these are the future of what we need to be thinking about because that's actually what the consumer wants. Yes, they want a good experience, but no consumer woke up saying, damn, I want a great experience today, right? They, they have things that they want to accomplish. And if we help them accomplish them in the most efficient way possible, we are creating a better experience and ensuring that they get the delivery of the outcome that they want. So um, we really need to move to this notion of, yeah, experiences matter, mm -hmm. but if we focus on the correct outcome and the delivery of that outcome, that's really what's important. Yeah, and to build on that, what, what I think is necessary is organizations have to start to recalibrate how we are uh, organizing our, our teams and our, our, our mindset internally so that we can put ourselves in a position to serve customers as best as we can. And as we get into the, as we break that down in, in the in the ebook, you know, it's talking about, to your points, uh, kind of outcome-based agreements where we've got uh, alignment from day one on what we're going to go do together. Uh, but the next piece of that is really uh, aligning the best practices and the strategies that we're putting forth. You know, yeah. um, you know, how are we going to use our products and services to uh, go achieve, achieve those outcomes. And then at the end of it, it's, it's using data to, to inform um, our progress. And are we doing the things that we need to be doing to impact those, those, those outcome uh, statements that we've made, but then specifically the, the KPIs that we're using to manage the relationships. We call that proof of performance um, yeah. because that, that's what we're talking about. We've got to prove that we're, we're uh, delivering the, the value. Yeah, and that brings us into the performance economy. But before we jump into that, yeah. I want to take one step back because you brought up something that a lot of people listening may understand, they may not understand. Um, you and I know each other from back in the day when you were working at Exact Target and you guys acquired a company called Pardot, which yeah. I was an early employee of. Right. Um, and at that exact time, I'd written a book called Marketing Automation for Dummies. That was my first book, just published my second book. Thank God this one was what I call yeah. a real book. Uh, this one was for Harvard <laughs> Business. So a little bit, little bit more thinky, a little bit nerdy than a dummies guide. But here's the point. At that point in time, automation was the frontier that we were pioneering. It was how do we remove manual process from operations, mm -hmm. specifically in marketing. Mm -hmm. What we have to realize now is that was a step in the continuum. The next step is once you can automate things, the next is then decentralize your organization and orchestrate outcomes. And that's what we have to move to. So the, the idea is not how do we just automate processes? It's how do we decentralize our organization? 
Because when we look at a key moment on a customer journey, and if we look at what does it take to deliver an outcome, it really takes everyone inside the organization working together. Right. Because that experience is going to be most likely digital, which is going to require IT, which is going to require a whole nother world that is not necessarily germane to your team or your organization. It's going to require CSG. It's going to require sales. It's going to require marketing. It requires so many different elements moving together. And when you decentralize and then refocus and reorganize where these teams are then orchestrating these outcomes in these key customer moments, mm -hmm. that is what's winning. And going back to that research, that is exactly what we're seeing happening is these organizations on their path to digital transformation are decentralizing and they are reorganizing around these customer moments. And that is then allowing them to orchestrate outcomes. So it's not just automating things. Right. It's the next evolution past that of saying, yeah, you got a tool that does Boolean logic. If then do this, that's cool. But now let's take an operational stance from the organization and then start to organize in a new way where we can more efficiently deliver the actual customer's desire in a key moment. Really well said. And that's a, that's a nice segue into why this is so important in the in the in the ebook we go into the the breakdown of the performance economy and, and how the the market really is evolving and uh, eager to get your perspective on this but it really starts with this this evolution where you know we're seeing more competition than ever before the the subscription economy has matured it's evolved and now there, there's going to be this collision course where uh, you know, customers have more power than ever to uh, to work with uh, whoever they want, and with that has has created th these um, these dynamics that we need to really understand, but then also um, accommodate. Yeah, and exactly right. So when we look at marketplaces and when we start to think about how marketplaces evolve and what comes next. You know, SaaS essentially kills this model of you're going to buy expensive things that's going to take a long time to implement, that's going to be very costly, and it's going to be an annual basis. We upcycle and speed that cycle up with SaaS. So it's almost instantaneous buying, instantaneous implementation. I'm grossly oversimplifying a lot of major SaaS platforms with instantaneous, but theoretically, yeah. instantaneous. You flip a switch, you log on, it's all there. You didn't have to set up servers, it's, it's there. Then you have the ability to then, like you said, now the consumer's in control. They can turn these things on, turn these things off instantaneously when they want, which then puts a different game that we must play, which is now it's not just about what do we get and how do we keep them sticky. We have to improve the performance because if we can't prove that performance, they're going to leave. And any SaaS, anybody that's in biz dev and SaaS understands churn and, and the, the killer of churn, which is exactly what we're talking about is you can get somebody to sign up. That's only a part of a marketer's problem now. It's the next part is how do we keep that customer, not just today and tomorrow, but how do we create a long and lasting relationship? Because if not, our businesses are constantly going to be churning at a rate that's unsustainable. So we are moving past this world of just subscriptions to the next evolution of subscription, which is proved value or the performance economy. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, as, back to your points as we as we continue to, to break this down, it's it's kind of these questions of like, well, how do we do it then? And, and then why why uh, um, is it imperative that we, we take action immediately, really, because of, of what's at stake? Uh, so we, we um, back to your points around, you know, how, how marketing uh, has evolved. We call out that, you know, attribution is really what we're talking about here. It is 
uh, are we able to deliver, to your point earlier, on, on the promises that have been made in the, in the marketing exercises that we're doing and, and then the sales, the sales process? Uh, so uh, when, you, when you really try to simplify it, um, it is uh, aligning the work to, to the outcomes. And back to what I was saying before is, does the customer understand you know, why we are using certain features or why are we using certain um, services that, that the, the supplier offers um, relative to, to the goals of the customer? But what we have an opportunity to do is show better linkage between, between the two. So we, we need the customer to understand um, why we're, we're kind of grinding it out day to day, to day relative to the long-term um, goals that we have in year one, year two, and year three. And I, I often reflect on personal experience here where, you know, I was often um, just as I was managing customers trying to figure out how do I position strategy with the product? Uh, and I, I was able to kind of wrestle through it on my own, but it was kind of far from the, the organization providing a lot of structure there. And we can take a lot of lessons from, from digital marketing and, and the, the steps that have been made to, to show attribution. Um, it's, it's time to bring that into um, the, the, the day-to-day management of the customer relationship. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I'm anti-attribution in terms of marketing. Um, here's why. Um, because I think it points marketers in the wrong direction. I mean, I wrote a whole chapter in my book about this, about, you know, we need to look at a better metric. And, and the way that I think that we should look at this is weighted pipeline, um, which is how many people are in the current stage of, of our journey? How efficiently do they move from one stage to the next? Um, because that then allows us to then start to see like where things start to break down. How quickly do we move them from one stage to the next? Rather than we sent this email that attributed to five people clicking this link and that attributed to X revenue. It's so squishy, so soft. Um, so I'm just anti the, the term attribution. I think what we're really talking about is, is, is proof of performance, right? It's, that's really kind of what we're talking about here of an outcome, which is we're moving from this world of, I'm just going to promise you that I can do something for you to, I'm actually going to have to deliver that thing. And that is why we have to change because once one of your competitors has the ability to prove in real time that they can achieve this outcome, Everyone else is going to have to do that. If not, they have a significant competitive advantage that no one else can overcome. Because what we start to see is, okay, vendor one, I've got these things. Here's some case studies of people who have done this. Vendor two, okay, here's your outcome. Here's the success plan. Here's the breakdown of what it takes you to get to each milestone that you want. Here's exactly what the resources are going to take, exactly when it's going to happen, and what the outcome is going to be. When we can get to that level of delivery, it's it's almost like, here all it's it's spoon feeding you success right, um, right and then being able to prove it so that that notion of attribution is more or less the notion of we can prove your success rather than just we can tell you that you will succeed and we are looking at very specific metrics it's not how much of this tool have you used how many people have adopted this platform it is what was your specific goal? I mean, when we look at companies, and this is just a wide range, right? You've got companies from a consumer standpoint, like Metro Mile, who are selling insurance based on the mile. The outcome is, I want insurance only for when I'm driving my car. Right, right. That's what they do. Honeywell sells outcome-based services, right? They have they work with their vendors and say, listen, let's work together. You tell us what the outcomes that you want for your buildings. We will then put a professional services team in place to manage the buildings for your desired outcomes. 
based on what these percentages are, if it's a decrease in 5% that we're looking for, you know, if we go over that, we can get paid more. If we go under that, we get paid less, right? So it's a very new world. And once that is in place, people are happy to pay for an outcome. They are yeah. much happier to pay for an outcome than they are for the promise of an outcome. Yeah. Well, well said hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. It's it, it, that, that idea of kind of connecting the, the dots is really what we're talking about here. And I think it's, uh, so important to position um, pro the well. Let me let me say this: so important to position our products and services in new ways relative to the outcomes that, that the customer is going to to achieve. And I think that's at, at the heart of, of everything here. You talk about you know kind of recalibrating the way that we think about plans, and we highlight that in the uh, in the ebook as well under this this mutual success plans uh, section. And this is where I get really excited because I, I think there's there's a lot of uh, ways where conversations break down, where the relationships break down, when we kind of talk about managing the, the, the work in the day to day. Right. And there's also to, to the points you're making that made earlier, um, new uh, requirements relative to connecting the data to, to the strategy. Um, yeah, but we Dave, believe that's we... where the, the plan can start to, to evolve. Before we like, I mean, I'm super jazzed about this, this notion too. Um, before we really dive in, I, I just want to kind of make sure everyone understands really why this is so critically important. We're talking about mutual success plan, which means you organization working with said customer to create a plan together. That is a collaborative methodology. And what we're talking about is using this collaborative methodology in the sales method. So working with customers to co-create what the outcome is, and then co-create a success plan, and then co-deliver that success plan. The word co and this word collaboration, I cannot underscore enough. I mean, it, so we didn't inter intro me with the, the, the notion that I just written this book for Harvard, but I just published a book for Harvard Business called The Context Marketing Revolution. The whole point of this book is that we've entered a new point in time where consumers control the media environment, meaning that we need to learn to work with them. The entire world now functions for the consumer. It's, they can operate without a brand ever in their lives. They don't need a business. Right. So we need to find ways to work with them. That's just the natural way that the world is moving forward. So anytime that an organization can come up with a collaborative methodology, whether that be from the pure demand generation side of user-generated content, influencer marketing, communities, and now we're looking at how do we do collaborative methodologies inside of sales to create better results and better outcomes, it's exactly what we're doing. Because when you work with the customer to define what they want to do, to define the success plan, they already have skin in the game. They're already bought into the idea. There's demand for that solution built in because they helped create the solution. And so that is something that people must understand that is the future, not just because we're saying it. That is literally the world that we operate in. We cannot move forward without thinking about collaborative methods. So let's just, I mean, I just wanted to preface that as this is how it's so important of why collaborative methodology is so important. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, like we can't assume um, everybody knows what a, a success plan is. And I think it, they're they're growing in popularity and, and understanding, but uh, it, it's early innings there. So uh, I think it's, it's fantastic to call that out. And exactly to your point, it's, it's kind of acknowledging that it takes two to tango. Like we are not going to achieve the, the, the outcomes uh, to, together if, if we're not collaborating from, from day one and there is that mutual understanding. And then back to what I was saying, that the, uh, the evolution there is thinking about how do we effectively create these plans to bring 
the strategy and the data together in new ways. But uh, most importantly, there's this context that is the outcome that the customer needs, needs to achieve. We have to be working within that so that we are um, creating the appropriate um, and the correct path to, to those, those end goals. Yeah, and I just want to double down on this. I, success plans are not a simple, they're so powerful. I just want anyone listening, if you don't use success plans, I mean, I have leveraged them and we, Dave, you and I have chatted on the past about this topic about, you know, I use these back in the day to, to sell Pardot, yeah. but it was, they're so powerful for lots of reasons. One is we just talked about they're collaborative. When two people work together, both people buy into the solution. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Step two is then they become specifically directive. So once again, back to the promise of, I will sell you this thing. Here's the promise of it versus here are the exact steps that you need to take. And I think what people most realize is you can take this to a very mature level and say, listen, based on you customer and your maturity, your, your setup, your scenario organization, we know these are the exact steps you need to take. Here's three paths you can go down. You can go down the fastest path. This will get you to X outcome with X, um, with X effort. You can go down the most, uh, you can go down the, this path, which is gonna go for, you know, it's gonna take longer time, but it's gonna set you up the best success for the future. That's gonna require X effort and X outcome. And then it starts to get broken down into very specific milestones. And this is where we start to see a very big transformation in these organizations. It's because now you can use these success plans to reorganize and connect better with your customers. So good example, the quarterly business review goes away because mm -hmm. you don't need to meet every quarter because you're meeting on these milestone cadences based on what are the specific steps that we need to achieve on this outcome, which is a totally different thing. That notion that we want to be partners with our customers, this is what actually makes us partners with our customers is now we are guiding them step by step and saying, all right, here's the next thing that you need to do. So when we talk about that notion of experience, this is both a customer experience because this is now us guiding them, but this is also employee experience Probably. because we're, we're now empowering our employees to know exactly what steps to take to deliver the most efficient outcomes for their customers. So it's not just external, it's internal as well. It's an aligning document for both sides. And when that happens, there's so many good things that come out of it, right? Like I said, the quarterly business review goes away. Absolutely. It's, it's a critical point because it's, um, there's some bad, there's some habits that we need to, to, to break there and create new, new, better habits. But it, to expand on that, it is, you know, when I come into, to work every day and I'm managing a book of business, um, how do I, how do I navigate these conversations? I, I might be trying to wrestle with, you know, tens, if not hundreds of relationships as a CSM and that's its own, <laughs> own conversation. But, you know, I'm back to the word context, I'm, I'm switching, uh, dialogues and, and relationships and, and context all the time. So we need to empower our teams in new ways to, to navigate that. Uh, but with, with the customer's uh, goals and, and outcomes at, at the center, otherwise, you know, we can go weeks or months where we're not adding value, we're not making progress. And then we get into those uh, kind of traditional QBRs and we're scrambling to tell a story and, and show value where, really we um if we we set ourselves up from for success from from day one it's it's just the way that we have been working and i i'm really excited to keep talking about this with with leaders and and the market as a whole it's such a huge opportunity to get better um matt we we um we've kind of touched on the various functional aspects of this but as we um we should expand on that because there there's such a critical piece here of trying to 
connect sales, marketing, and sale uh, success in new ways, product as well. So how do you think about uh, the evolution of these functional areas working, working better together to, to serve customers? Yeah, I think specifically going back to that notion of moving out of the silo. So this is a... So digital transformation is a thing that the marketplace has been talking about for a while, right? Fourth industrial revolution. If you haven't been picking up on these signals, you're late to the party, but now you're welcomed in. Come on in and let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. As we think about this whole new world of how we operate, like we're in a transformational time of business. I want people to really think about this critically, right? I wrote about this in the book. The way that we think about building things is literally based off of a man named Henry Ford who created something which is called the assembly line. The assembly line was a phenomenal thing, but it was only because of a specific point in time. We can't think about the assembly line as still the most efficient method of building things because it's not, right? The assembly line is you take, you have different departments and you move something from one department to the next, the departments don't interact, mm-hmm. right? You're just moving something down an assembly line. Now, that efficiency at that time was unheard of because it was just groups of people working in tandem, doing different things, right? You build a car, you build a car, you build a car, right? Totally transform things. But Henry Ford didn't have the internet. Henry Ford didn't have instant feedback. Henry Ford didn't have different connection methodologies. We have all those now. So when we start to think about what do we then, how do we operate as a business in this new world? Number one is decentralization and realizing that to create the best outcome, I already stated this, is everyone needs to orchestrate together in one of those key moments. Let's talk about a new role that we saw come out of this research. We saw a success planner come out of this research. The success planner is really a new role that's going into pre-sales, staying with the customer through post-sales to ensure that they are uncovering the outcomes, creating the success plans that need to be executed, and then executing those success plans. So there is somebody with that customer the entire time. My favorite, uh, my colleague Karen, her favorite quote from this research was from the, uh, it was the CXO that told us about them implementing the success planner. And they mm-hmm. said, you know, the number one thing is once we implemented the success planner, we stopped seeing grenades being thrown over the wall. We stopped having salespeople sell things and promise things that we can't actually deliver, right? And so once that happened, they totally transformed their organization. Then you continue this notion of now that you have the success plan, you can now start to measure different things. The old notion of what we used to measure was NPS. What is the, what is the experience that we're creating? But going back to that notion, there's a lot of problems with NPS. Right. It, is, it is a thing that we should look at for sure, but it is not the North Star we need to align to. There's lots of problems. Number one, it's super subjective. Your NPS score goes up by five points. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna go up by five points. Hopefully you're not at zero, but <laughs> if, it, if it goes up, there, it's not, does not mean revenue increases tomorrow. Right? There's so many different factors between that and revenue. Yes, they're correlated, but they're not causational. Right. right. So we need to understand these relationships. However, when we then shift this to an outcome, we can then start to measure the time to value. That is a very objective measure that is directly tied to revenue because now customer achieved outcome they stated, and we can measure how quickly we got them to that outcome. Mm-hmm. So going back to that weighted pipeline, how quickly can we get them to the next stage? One of the customers that we interviewed was able, by the way, by using the technology we're talking about of creating a success plan that's utilized by your employees, Mm -hmm. that's shared with the customer, that helps align these two people to move them forward, they were able to decrease time to value by 65%. That is a massive, when you can start to show in the pre-sale organization to sell as a competitive differentiation, tell us what your outcome is. We can get you to that outcome 60% faster than the competition 
Mm-hmm. And it's a significant differentiation. Right? We're no longer, because all of our products can do the same things. Not to mention, if you're a SaaS vendor, people only use 30% of your tool anyway. Stop selling on, on things that you can do and start selling on how quickly can I get you to your outcome. Yeah, yeah. So true. And to expand on a couple things, you know, we, we highlight the need to orchestrate better, which is really what, what you're speaking to, set expectations better uh, from from day one. Uh, and when I say day one, it is the first touch points within uh, with within the, the marketing strategies that we're deploying or tactics. And, you know, what happens here is, is if we can organize better early, we start to really be, uh, have an opportunity to improve what's happening later, later in the life cycle. But make no mistake, we're talking about uh, an examination of the entire customer life cycle here, because there's there's they're they're all connected and specifically we're talking about more seamless handoffs from uh, sales and, and marketing over to services and implementation and on to cs if we have the plan as a foundation that uh, really can dramatically improve the, those transitions which we know everybody struggles with and then all the way to to delivery uh, when we're working in the context of that plan we are able to to show show the path, but then ultimately prove that performance that we've been talking about. So that's what we mean in, in, the, in the ebook about just connecting the org, organization in, in new ways, but truly being customer centric. And you know, can uh, let's let's kind of reimagine what it means to be be customer centric too. Exactly right. This is pure customer centricity. The um, the last section, and uh, we'll we'll wrap up here, is talking about the the path to maturity. And I think it's important to acknowledge, and Matt, you did earlier that, that there's a spectrum here, and there's there's variation here depending on your organization, you know, types of companies that you're you're working with and serving. Uh, so we know there's going to be um, potentially different entry points depending on maturity, uh, but. Uh, we, we think it's important to really break that down. And, and there's five levels of maturity here. And we, we will uh, touch on them briefly, but I encourage everybody to, to really digest this, internalize it. And it really starts uh, with, with aligning. We've alluded to that many ways, but just making sure that the, the buyer and the supplier, the supplier and its customers are, are aligned on, uh, on the plan and on the outcomes that, that need to be achieved level two gets into delivery and talking about um, how, how the work is going to uh, help us uh, go, go down the path in the most productive ways. And then we know that you know, adoption is critical uh, of our products and services. So that, that's level three. Uh, and I'll just go through things quickly and then get your take on it, Matt. But level four and level five is where uh, the rubber meets the road. You know, are we delivering the business impact that uh, we, we promised? And can the customer see that uh, there's there's kind of two two angles to this? There is this the 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 discussion aspect of it, like are did we accomplish what we set out to accomplish? But when we truly go into proving performance, it is uh, did we move the needle on on the key uh, metrics, the KPIs that we uh, we need to to influence? So. Uh, the, the end goal here is getting to level five, proving our performance. And we believe with the way that technology has advanced, there's, there's more opportunity than ever for, for us to get to, to that place. Uh, what's your take on, on maturity as, as a whole, Matt? No, I think those are the right steps. I mean, when we talk about specifically rolling this out, I mean, that's the maturity steps of this. I, I do want to take one step back because I think 
people are going to be asking, if you're not asking yourself the question of, okay, cool, how do I start doing this? That's the specifics of how you do this. That's the specifics of outcomes. There's a step you have to take before this too. And so all of the research that we looked at, these companies who are investing in outcomes, who have, who have made this pivot and made this transition, had full executive buy-in to be experience-centric for years. Mm -hmm. So they had for upwards of three and six years in our research, these companies have gone, been going down this path to experiences, to create better experiences, to become you know, experience-centered organizations. It was only through that lens that they realized that the experiences only are good if they lead to outcomes that then switch them over to outcomes. So step one is you have, if you really are going to do this at an operational large scale level, you're going to have to have full executive support. Number one, that executive support has to understand that this is a new way of operating that combines experience methodologies to get you to better outcomes. Um, the question of, can you leapfrog that entire step is still a question that we don't have an answer to of could you just skip over this notion of experiences and move to outcomes my knee-jerk reaction is no uh, because they work together um, if you focus on outcomes and don't understand the power of experiences i don't know if you'll have the internal um i don't know if the word is um capabilities or buy-in or, or or operational muscles or just um you know belief and rigor and and the power of an experience but the two things have to work together. So once you have that executive approval to then go down these paths, you can then start to do these things. You can start to move out of your silos and start to co-own these, these key moments. And then once you can start to co-own these, co these key moments and co-own the metrics, then you can start to then do these five steps and say, okay, now operationally, we align with customer step one, mm -hmm. step two, and then you move forward all the way through um, to proving the value. And there's lots of like, I don't know, I just get so excited because this is a new frontier. I hope everybody's getting excited about this yeah. because this is a new way for us to think about doing so many different things. Um, this is just really opening up new doors. I talked about employee experience. If you haven't seen, Tiffany Bova just released some new research um, that we created with Forbes on the power of employee experience. And what it was found was companies that focus on employee experience first grow revenue 1.8 times faster than those companies that don't. And when we talk about employee experience, we're not talking about putting like, you know, fancy chocolate dip pretzels in your break room. We're talking about this exact thing of saying, okay, we must make sure we can empower the employees to do their jobs in the most efficient manner possible. Hence, if we know the outcome, we know what it takes, we can guide both internal and external forces and align them together. These are all major forces coming together, right? It's, it's a simple word. It's a simple theory. Yeah, outcomes, duh. People need to receive the thing that they're, they're buying. Right. But it's only now that we've gotten to this place where we are able to think and do it in this very specific tactical way, where it really is combining new operational uh, organizational structures, new ideas of how we grow our business, new definitions of employee experience, right? An elevated idea of what even the experience is and how we deliver that to the customer. So there's so many things that are coming together at once. Um, and yes, you know, these five steps, it moves us right directly to where we need to go. I don't know. I just, sorry, I got, yeah, no, it's I got excited. And it's, I think to your point, it is, is creating some new perspective on how to literally link the employee experience with the customer experience, which is what people have been saying for a long time. But I don't know if we've ever gotten a clear indication of, of how we can directly correlate uh, the work that the, that the employee is doing to 
to the, the ultimate um, success of a customer. And that's what, what is really exciting here yeah. because, you know, if I'm an employee, you know, my goal, especially, uh, well, if you can understand the, the point of a business is to, to serve and, and make customers successful so that we can uh, uh, grow and evolve and, and do other great things as, as a business. Um, if that breaks down, then we're not going to be around for very long. So I think it's a, it's a great call out. Well, Matt, it's been a blast kind of breaking down this ebook. I can't thank you enough for, for the collaboration. Uh, how about some parting words for the audience here and we'll, we'll get out. Cool. Some parting words. So uh, from all the research, this is really what, this is the mantra that's, that kind of came to me through all this work, which is experiences are the method outcomes are the goal time to value is the measurement method that we use. Right. So when we think about that as the framework of kind of what we're moving forward towards, we can kind of see how they all work together. Right. So they have to, they're all interconnected, but without the focus on outcomes, you won't know what experiences to, to create. You won't know where to create them. And you won't necessarily have the best measurement method to then value them because you'll be looking at, you know, net promoter score or an experience metric that is subjective. Once you then switch it to this notion of, okay, we know outcomes are the North Star that we align to, we use experiences to create better outcomes. And we have a new metric that we use to measure those outcomes. How quickly can we deliver those outcomes? It opens up a whole new world. We're seeing enterprise software companies have new go-to-market models. We're seeing organizations say, this is a key piece for us have to, to digital transformation. This is where we need to be innovating. And if you're not innovating in these places right now, your competitors are, and they're going to be selling against you by saying, I can deliver this. And this is how I can deliver it. I'm not just going to promise this. Here's the plan in place. And they're going to eat your lunch. So with that, I hope everyone gets excited about this. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, my eyes were open when I came across these stories. So I hope yours are too. I love it. Uh, it's a great way to end. And we welcome everybody to come along for the ride. Uh, this is a this is innovation, uh, but necessary innovation. We have to do this to ensure that we set ourselves up for success and most importantly, our customers and our employees. So Matt, thanks for hanging out for another episode of Revenue Revolutionaries. This has been a Meta CX production.